Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right, Tony, well, it's good to be back with you. How have you been, my friend? A little disappointed in both my Orioles and my Brewers. They both blew it for me. And the uh, just watched Sunday the Ravens uh, lost on a miss, missed extra point opportunity. So a little disappointed <laughs> in my sports, man. How are you doing? Uh, doing okay. I mean, you know, with the the my Braves, they disappointed. Georgia got creamed, uh, you know, but they, they're still alive. Um, you know, the Orioles, I mean, you had a, had a long time to prepare for that grief but i was hoping i was rooting for your brewers i was disappointed with that (laughs) yeah in game seven uh one game away from getting the world series it's just so uh disappointing and with that kind of i mean shoestring budget i think that they uh probably spend more uh they probably spend less on their salaries than a lot of churches spend on salaries you know (laughs) uh so i don't know that they'll be able to get the players to do it again so it's probably the closest they're going to get to a world series yeah, <clears throat> maybe some of those prosperity churches, you know, but uh, I don't know about the normal church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once Christian Yalek's contract is over, it seems like he's a goner. And so just getting the same thing with uh, my Orioles, uh, dealt with all that with Manny Machado, and it's uh, my NL team is losing out, too. It's just so sad. It is fun, though. It is fun. Um so today we want to have a conversation about things that – see, our upbringings were different, so maybe our, our experience was just, has been a little different. But you've got exposure to, to what we're going to talk about. Um, but the, the cultural Christian fads and just the idea of the Christian bubble, I mean anybody that um, – if you're involved in any kind of group, you, you do form somewhat of a bubble – whether you stick really close to it or not. I mean, there, there's just certain lingo and certain norms that are in that group, but, um, and, and that's no different with Christians. And so, um, we want to get into that some, but you did not really grow up in the Christian bubble, did you? I did not actually, uh, to kind of show that I remember learning about the existence of uh, popular Christian things like VeggieTales in college. And even I remember uh, in college one time, I think I was a sophomore in college, maybe still freshman, uh, and I was invited to uh, attend a visit at church with a friend. And uh, during the Sunday school, they uh, they sing a hymn typically, and they ask, "What's my favorite hymn?" And uh, I I think I responded, "Amazing Grace," because I'm almost a hundred percent positive at that time that was the only hymn that I knew. Because <laughs> everybody knows Amazing Grace, you know. That's right. Yeah, it is unfortunate that VeggieTales had such large sway in Christian circles. Um, it, it was just assumed, like, well, it mentions God and Jesus. And, and not everything about it's trash. Um, but, I mean, you know, the creator of it himself, Phil Vischer, said, I realized I didn't actually teach kids Christianity. I just sort of taught them how to act Christianly. Um, and I, so, I mean, that's a pretty big indictment. I also um, didn't grow up on Petra or anything. In fact, I've never listened to Petra once in my life, and I thank the Lord for that. Well, how about Striper? 
never listened to Striper either. Oh so. man, you gotta listen to that. I mean, they, they were good. like, I mean, I'm not really into that kind of music, but I've heard that they're actually kind of legit, and you know, they had the tight <laughs> clothes and you know, hair, and you know, to hell with the devil. And that's you know, it sounded sort of like a a Luther song put into the 1980s. Um, <laughs> so Sounds anyway, good. <laughs> it's good stuff. But do you think that that Christian subcultures are inevitable? Uh, you know, I think yes and no on that. That's a hard question. Uh, first of all, I don't, and the way that we often think of it, uh, you know, and the ridiculous over the top, uh, cr- the Christian version of everything, I don't think it's inevitable. Um, you know, I think the reality is in most of the world around us, most of, especially post-Christian world, uh, this kind of Christian bubble of uh, this, this extreme subculture where you have a Christian version of everything just frankly doesn't exist. And it didn't really exist at all, I think, until kind of capitalism and Christianity became similar words, to say the least. But I think in some degree it is inevitable as we do produce from our worldview. You know, the reality is that, I mean, that artistic products tend to reflect the worldview behind us. So, you know, music, Christian music has, has existed from ages on because Christians want to sing about what they love and what they believe, and, and it's natural for people to do that. Yeah, yeah, I think those are some good observations. So, so just to be clear, what you're saying is that, that socialism is the way we should go to help fight against these tendencies. Yeah, am I understanding you right? Yeah, maybe so. That uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe we could go. Uh, that uh, or you know, we we could go to feudalistic system. That's a possibility. Yes, yes, I'd like to be a feudal lord. And uh, <laughs> 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 um, no, I think you're right. I mean, capitalism does drive some of that stuff. You get things like testaments, and you know, oh, boy. <laughs> have you ever seen those? Yeah, I've never had one. Have you? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's the, the Christian everything and, um, yeah, I mean the culture does drive that, but no, no person or group of people is immune from the culture that's around them. And so it's going to influence, um, even the styles of music. I mean, if you're listening to believers in India, their music is going to sound different than, you know, believers in America, yeah. um, just because of their context. But, I don't think it has to happen, but I think it's likely. But, but even if it's a very healthy Christian subculture, some of that maybe your, your church may have a, a subculture that could be very good, um, but just you're going to start forming habits and norms. And, and so in, in another way, I think it is inevitable. So you talked a little bit about this, but maybe you, if you've got more to say, why do those things form and, and are they good or bad or does it depend? Yeah. You know, by the way, I'd be curious if uh, sociologists studied kind of the behavior of substitute teachers versus uh, normal teachers. Would that be a sub-subculture? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> why do they form? Uh, I think they form because of isolation. And the way that we think, kind of in the bad version of it, uh, they form because of isolation and fear. But also uh, envy at the same time, you know, wanting power, wanting influence, wanting what the world has, uh, but also kind of a fear and, and setting aside from the world. Not, not a holiness of setting apart, but a legalism of trying to just 
go away from the world. Uh, you know, I think they do have good forms. Like I said, we do need a music. And, you know, there's even, I think, an argument for that we'll talk eventually about Christian schools, homeschools, uh, that public schools. Even, I mean, Christian schools are a subculture, Christian subculture. And there's an argument for that kind of approach. Uh, but uh, more often than not, kind of the stereotypical ones like testaments uh, tend to make us isolated and antagonistic to the world rather than helping us engage them for Jesus. Uh, you know, I think much of uh, Christian subculture is unnecessary. I mean, like uh, I've, I've heard of Christian sports leagues. Uh, I've heard of a Christian, a small Christian wrestling uh, group that didn't really launch very far. Christian mints <laughs> or even Christian action. Like there's a whole Christian action figures industry and I just don't get it. Oh my. Oh my. Um, yeah, I think if you spend enough time on Google, you can find Christian whatever. Um, Christian Mingle. There you go. Um, which, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have super well-defined uh, opinions on all that. But, I mean, I guess you could justify that some. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe more than Christian action figures and <laughs> chewing gum. But, um, yeah, I think that those, that was some good insight into – uh, the isolation and the fear and the envy wanting to have, you know, feel validated. Um, and so it's like, well, can I have our cake and eat it too? Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, and I know I've, I went to Christian school. You did for a while. I went longer. Um, yeah. And so that can be its own kind of subculture um, and just the, the things that go with it. And I think some of it's good intention, but some of it also can be, um, kind of, if you dig down below the surface, it's really not, uh, the, the best of intentions. Um, so what kind of things tend to be and normal in these subcultures? I mean, besides, you know, mints and stuff like that. Yeah. I think as themes, fear mongering tends to be a huge thing, you know, uh, and in that kind of an us versus them mentality, but a fear that the government's going to get you that, you know, that, 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 non-christians neighbors are all out to kill you or or pervert your or, or mess up your morality and make your kids wild and licentious and whatnot uh but also uh and i think an anti-intellectualism tends to be seen in this kind of thing you know there's wide criticism sometimes of christian quote-unquote art of uh, being just lackluster art uh poor quality but also, you know, a failure to actually grasp issues. I mean, I can think of, and I won't name names here, uh, but, you know, I, a popular Christian film that kind of really makes a strong shout out against uh, a world, the worldview of those that don't believe in Jesus. And in that, they kind of dramatically misunderstand and completely misinterpret a teaching of a philosopher, an old dead philosopher named Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, and, uh, and I think it's just, just blatantly anti-intellectual. Uh, but also, for, unfortunately, moralism. You know, for all this, there's so much of Christian subculture that's in no real sense Christian. It's just kind of the isolated uh, Jesus people subculture. Uh, you know, I, I think an example of that is another series of kids' movies. And, you know, we've talked about that. I mean, it was about producing morals, uh, Jesus morals, rather than producing the basis from which our morals come. Yeah, kind of severing the, the fruit from the root of it. And that's a dangerous thing because that is moralism and moralism papes the way to hell. 
Um, yeah, I think those those kinds of things definitely can be present, and it's not always. And, and now, I mean, we had two different cultural contexts growing up. And my early years in the church, I didn't start going to church really consistently until I was about five. Um, but we went to a church that was fundamentalist, um, and so not the angry kind of fundamentalist. Um, but you know, we were King James only and um, that kind of thing. I mean, I remember there was a family that that came into church one morning and. They had made the decision to use one snare drum sort of key beat <laughs> during music, and they saw it, and they said, oh, I mean, so I was told. Um, the church has gone new age, and they just left and never came back. And I, was, I mean, they had very strong convictions about this, um, and so – now, I mean, I can assure you, <laughs> new age things weren't happening. Um, and, <laughs> you know, there was not like a crazy drum solo with a guy spinning the sticks, you know, banging his head. But, you know, the, I mean, I've seen that in plenty of, um, in different contexts, that, that idea, the fear and, and things like that. Uh, and the anti-intellectualism. And the, I mean, the, the truth is, a lot of people, not just Christians, um, can be anti-intellectual. Um, I mean, you see it in a lot of different places. Um, and, and that's okay. I don't think everyone needs to be this rigorous intellectual. But, I mean, I think it's good to have good reasons to support the reason that you do such and such or you hold such, uh, a certain view. Um, but, I mean, we all tend to be lazy in different ways, whether it's physically or intellectually. We just don't want to put forth the effort to really dig into something or, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so I, I think those definitely can be indicative of, of those kinds of subcultures. Well, um, I do want to clarify though, that I think the, even the cheesiest, corniest, uh, Christian subculture stuff is no more anti-intellectual than the flying spaghetti monster Halloween costumes, uh, people will be seeing soon. <laughs> yeah. As we're recording this close to Halloween, so, um, <clears throat> so what are some, I and mean, we've kind of talked about some of the negative things, but what are some of the positive effects or what could be some of the positive effects of a, a, some kind of Christian subculture? Yeah, I think one definitively, uh, as protection, you know, and, uh, I think that there's not a sheltering is not always an inherently bad thing. I mean, you should, that, uh, if you, if you get a bruised animal, I mean, you shelter it. You don't put it before the wolves, uh, for obvious reasons. And I think, uh, having that kind of protection from, uh, worldviews that maybe that shouldn't be exposed to even, especially children at very, very young ages, has, has an argument. There's certainly an argument for, you know, kindergartners not, uh, getting a disparaging view of Christianity in a school system. Uh, and things like that. Uh, I think on top of that, supportive teaching. You know, the reality is that uh, some re- there's some really great examples of of Christian children's books, or the even uh, books for adults that that are influenced by Christian beliefs that are, are well done, and actually, especially in parenting, support our teachings of the Bible and help reinforce that. Uh, uh, and I also think it allows our input to be valid. The reality is that even that we pick on the Christian movies, there are Christ, there are movies that are made by Christians uh, that are really good. The Tree of Life, I think, is an example. I actually shared something on social media about that recently, uh, and it's a story that 
was a reflection of a Christian worldview, a story that wouldn't be told if there was an extreme separation of worldview from artistic forms. Mm. Yeah, you're. I think you're exactly right. That that's all sheltering is not bad, um, and so sometimes it can be spoken of very disparagingly, um, and, and it's not always the case. But it, it can also be uh, taken too far. What do you think the are some? I mean, you've talked about I guess some of the products that come out um, or just attitudes. But what are some of the the clearly negative effects? of a Christian kind of subculture. Uh, I mean, what do you think, Ben? That I'm curious. I think I've kind of spouted off some of that in some of my previous answers, but what are your thoughts on that, Ben? Um, I think you can get just the, the narrow focused withdrawn, uh, effect where people are more concerned about, it's sort of more of a fortress mentality than being, um, the light of the world, city on the hill, th- those kinds of things. Um, it's more insular, and we're, we're concerned about protecting uh, the purity of our group. And, and there is a sense, I mean, the New Testament is concerned about protecting the purity of the church. I mean, the church discipline is what that's about. Um, <clears throat> but um, it, it's one of those, you know, we're trying to keep the world out. And it, I think maybe we've talked about this movie before, but um, the, the movie The Village. Um, it's, I don't know, 15 years old or something now, but, uh, have you seen that? I have seen that. One of the, uh, rare, decent M. Night Shyamalan movies. (laughs) Yeah, but I thought it it, it illustrated something very powerfully. You know, the people withdraw into, um, this little village and they're trying to keep the world out and then they end up dealing with some pretty difficult things within their little community that was supposed to protect against that. And then, you know, at the end you find out they're really just a very short distance from like the highway and, you know, modern life that you, you, you get the impression if you hadn't seen it, um, you know, that the movie is set, you know, uh, probably at least a century or two centuries before. And that's not the case is they've, withdrawn from society and so i mean that's an extreme example but um christians can tend to do that and so uh, i think it, it does take wisdom uh, to know where to to draw that line though but I, I, th- that's what probably one of the biggest things i see uh, is rather than be you know jesus talks about the gates of hell won't prevail against his church um well and i mean I, it's obvious gates are defensive weapons or, you know, defensive barrier set up. And so rather than being on the offensive, we're tending to put up our gates. And I mean, I, I'm have been and, and am guilty of that in many ways. And so um, I, I think that, that that's the one that stands out to me the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think one I, I do want to add on to that, as I'll say, is I think another element uh, that it can have a negative wise is it can also limit Christian freedom, uh, which I think is another, an important thing we tend not to think about in that because, you know, it can so quickly become a, Oh, if you're Christian, you know, you're, you're supposed to watch these Christian movies that may not be the best quality. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to put your kids in Christian schools. Uh, you know, uh, you know, all of these things might be decent things for a family to choose, but they're not things that the Bible tells us we have to do. I mean, it might be you can't, you know, read, uh, uh, your, your, your kids' books like where the wild things are because they're not Christian books and, I think that that is another negative element of the Christian subculture. 
Yeah, it could be dogmatic. I mean, I know some people think Christian school is the only way to go, or Christian homeschooling, or classical education, that's the only way to go, or you can't read Harry Potter, or if you're not reading, I mean, just people, you see it with food. I mean, and this is not so much a Christian subculture thing, it's just, you know, millennials who just need to chill, you know, but just people getting super dogmatic about something, and this is like, this is the only way to go. And, uh, well, no, I think, I think you need to rethink that. Um, so how can we work against being too inwardly focused or, or just downright weird or lame? Yeah. So one thing I think can be a helpful thing in that is look at, look for the good or at least the acceptable in our culture rather than just being jumping on the board of criticizing and and mocking everything that is from a general culture around. And I think that tends to produce more of an intellectual honesty and a thoughtfulness rather than just, uh, you know, separating ourselves from everything. Uh, But I also think we need to be as critical with the quote-unquote Christian stuff as we are with the secular stuff. And uh, and I think that, you know, is why, why a lot of Christians have entertained a lot of false teaching, because we tend to be a lot more critical of the uh, secular uh, TV shows uh, than uh, we are critical of uh, that which is coming from supposedly Christian camps. I mean, like, you know, even women's ministry books that might espouse a more dangerous worldview than uh, some of the secular products around us. Uh, I think we need to tr- uh, teach being critical with everything like that. Uh, uh, but uh, I think another thing is, and you know, this might seem unrelated, but really get to know people that don't know Jesus. Uh, because I think we, again, we do isolate ourselves and we do that Christian subculture thing. And we tend to typify, you know, if, if you like this, if you're engaged with this part of the secular worldview, it means it's because you're hateful, it's because you're, you're evil, it's because you're secretly intolerant yourself of, while claiming to be tolerant. Uh, and I think people are often more complicated than that, and I think it helps to really understand the people that don't reflect the worldview that we have. Uh, and I think also don't think protection saves anything, because uh, I think there's so often a mentality with this Christian subculture it, that uh, if I surround my kids with my youth around this Christian subculture all the time, that I'm just going to produce a perfectly Christian adult, and there's no evidence of that. Uh, there's no biblical truth of that, and there's no evidence that protecting your kid and only surrounding them with the Christian stuff has has real impact on saving them more than any other approach. No, you're right. Uh, that I heard about a student at our church this week. Um, I think she, I forget what she's upper high school, but um, her parents have told her that if she wanted to come to the the Christian school here at our church, that that she could. Um, And she said, I'd like to, but I feel like the Lord wants me to stay here at this public school to be a light. And I mean, and it's hard for her because, I mean, there she is, a light in the middle of the darkness. Um, But she's, you know, and young girl just trying to take her schooling intentionally um, and, and, you know, solid family. Um, And and so anyway, that kind of thing is encouraging. But I, I thought you brought up some good points there about, you know, not mocking the things in the world. No, I think sometimes it's okay to poke some poke some holes in things, poke some fun at it. Um, but at the same time, I think that kind of – some people can – if it comes out of any kind of Christian whatever, there are a group of Christians who want to mock it, whether it's Christian music or whatever kind of um, 
product it is. They just want to mock it. And I don't think that's fair either. Um, I mean, I'll give an example at it. Christian music. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't listen to a whole lot of music, um, and, and stuff in, in my car very much, but, um, I, I used to listen to Christian music more now. I mean, as I've grown in my understanding of God's word, I've seen things where it's like, well, that's not really the, the most substantive song. Um, but there's also to say, just put a blanket statement, say it's all just absolute garbage. Well, that's not fair. Uh, I read an article a while back that Trevin Wax, you know, he's, um, at Lifeway. Um, he did an experiment where he listened like an hour or a couple hours to Christian radio and just wrote down things that it taught him about God. And he gave this, gave the list and it was actually, there was some meat there. Now he said, not every song was great. But he said there were plenty of songs that told me the truth about God, how great he was, that, that Christ had died for our sins. And you know, and I think he brought up a good issue because there are some people, especially maybe in the circles that would read his blog, that just want to bash all of that. And I think that can be arrogant. Um, and so anyway, and I, like I'm not, I'm not a big proponent of it necessarily or being a cheerleader for it. But I think just having some more charity, more love – uh, got the King James in my mind this morning. You're talking about fundamentalism, but um, I think that that is something that we ought to keep in mind. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, I really like the things that you had to say. Um, what if we have the this Christian subculture? What might it reveal about our beliefs if we're too immersed in that Christian bubble? I think it reveals that we tend to see the lost and the world in general as the enemy rather than the captive of the enemy. Uh, and I think that that is a key differential there. Uh, that I mean, there is so much of, I mean, if we feel that we need to separate, if we feel that we can't have any of the broader culture, it's because we just see the world as the enemy. And that's not a biblical approach at all. I think also that it re reveals that uh, we believe sometimes that producing Christianity is a formula of lots of Christian stuff in and little secular stuff in. Uh, so, you know, if you just pump uh, this this pr much uh, Christian music in a day, if you pump this much Christian <laughs> movies in a day, uh, you know, everything like that, that you're going to produce a Christian. Uh, but it's just not as naive and unbiblical. I think it also... Uh, if we're too in the world, though, it might mean we are like the church at Thyatira. Uh, so, you know, because you gave kind of the question and the opposite. If we're too in the world, I mean, we might be a church, the church that's compromised. And, you know, I can say that I remember that as a young Christian, I uh, trying to be in the Christian liberty and trying to uh, be really in the world and engaging with the world. I, I pr And all about that Christian liberty stuff, I was probably engaging with things that, that were not wise for me to and that were leading me to stumbling blocks and i was ultimately what i was trying calling being engaging with the world was just being worldly unfortunately oh and i appreciate your humility to to admit that and that's the thing our sin which we you had a previous that. episode about that <laughs> right. in college a commercial um but it is so insidious and so deceptive and so we i mean even like humility like last night i've been doing some home remodeling stuff and i was listening to because i got a free copy of uh edwards jonathan edwards the religious affections and he's going on to talk about humility and false humility and stuff and you know um i mean he didn't make a new observation but it's true 
sometimes someone can start to grow a little bit in humility and they're like, hey, you know, I'm getting pretty humble here. <laughs> Good work. And, you know, I, I think with with that kind of thing, it can be that way too. It's like, oh, you know, I'm walking in, you know, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, don't be submit to a, a yoke of slavery. And, um, and so you can see this, the pendulum swing. I mean, it's not just a Christian problem. People talk about that, but it's a human nature problem. Um, I mean, you have people doing that in politics and, you know, with conservative things and then you, you know, progressive, poli- uh, identity politics and just, you know, people, that's just fallen people's tendency is to swing the pendulum. Like, oh yeah, we think these people before us got it wrong. So we're really going to show them stick it to the man and, you know, do it, do it the other way. Um, and so you've seen that in the church though, um, whether it's alcohol consumption or, you know, <laughs> tobacco or the kinds of music or just all kind of stuff where, you know, you, you take a few steps back and look and you just kind of have to laugh. Um, but you have to be willing to laugh at yourself too and be honest about yourself and say, Oh, you know, I, I've messed this up. Uh, maybe I need to repent here. Um, but I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, it can see the world as the enemy and not as the captive of the enemy. I, I like that. Um, so how can parents seek to avoid the dangers that are present in, in both immersing themselves too much in the world's ways on one hand and immersing themselves too much in the Christian bubble on the other? Yeah, I think one that's pretty simple, uh, maybe is obvious, but unfortunately sometimes isn't. Um, is it as be the teachers themselves uh, of their own children? Don't expect the Christian videos, books, music, or action figures to do the teaching of your children for you. Uh, you know, I I knew of a, a mom that uh, she's a praise Lord. She wants a disciple. She wants to see her kids grow in the Lord. Uh, and she was uh, talking to me about how uh, a really important thing of how they take the faith seriously in the home was every night uh, their child that's uh, just reading level, beginning reading level, uh, they let, uh, before bed, uh, that uh, they let her pick out two Christian books from the shelf of, of Christian kids' books and read them to herself uh, while they got, like, two dishes and then put her to bed. And, and they saw that, uh, that the, the mother saw that as really, uh, discipling her child uh, and I think that's just off base I think it's certainly something that's helpful but you have to be the one that teaches yourself you can't expect anything else to do that uh, but I think also in the teaching yourself you teach them through even things like analyzing it's not always just about family worship you know we had a, a podcast a long time ago uh, the where we talked about the Lego Batman movie uh, and which my kids love by the way and uh, <laughs> uh, and we talked about you know the worldview and how we and kind of modeling how parents can have that kind of discussion of how worldview is seen and, and the content that they receive not as oh you need to avoid this because of this worldview but as you need to be aware of that especially even as the kids get older uh, so rather than of saying avoid this or that instead teach them how to interact with the reality of the teachings that will be around them uh and but i also do think you know you do shelter weak plants uh you know this all these principles uh don't apply to the idea of taking your four-year-old to a that rated r movie uh you know 
we do have mm-hmm. some sheltering and we need to have some sheltering of, of our kids and know that especially very young people don't have the ability to understand nuance and process and process complex thoughts in the way that they will when they're older yeah i i think those are good points that, that you you have to be the teacher now you can find helpful resources in that um but just those books alone won't suffice. Just like taking your kid to Sunday school or this kind of thing. It doesn't mean that you, your your job is done in teaching them. Um, and so <clears throat> um, I, I think you you bring some good things to the table on that. And it, like with so much, is doing what you're doing on purpose. Stopping and considering what you're doing and why you're doing it and how and all these kinds of things um what is it getting across to the child uh or the the you know the youth or whatever we want to call them young people um what, what do you call them at your church i guess we just call them youth so okay i know there's some people call them students and yeah um, i mean we, so technically my title i'm the family and student pastor so i guess we call them students in that so <laughs> oh, okay yeah, I think, I mean, you, you pray for wisdom um, and just, like you talked about this earlier, but uh, being critical of the things that you're engaging with, the things that you're exposing your kids to, whether it's coming from a secular source or it's coming from a, quote, Christian source. And you, you mentioned um, a, a book, and I read your review on that, or most of it, and I thought it was it's good. I have not read the book. I read the introduction, and I, I would agree there's some pretty dangerous ideas there. Um, and it, it is alarming the sales that that book has, um, and and it comes from a a publisher that would be considered an evangelical publisher. Um, do they also put out the the Jesus Calling stuff? I believe so, but I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, but that has that book that we're referring to. And uh, I, you guys can uh, check out my blog if you're interested for that. But uh, uh, that he's interacting with that mentions it's on the worldview as number one, number two, and number four on Amazon, uh, an Amazon sales list for Christian books. As in the, uh, I think the, I think the audiobook is one, the Kindle book is number two, and the uh, print book is number four. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Uh, and, and just just because something, and, and I talk about this here at our church, like just because something came from a Christian publisher or it mentions Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit or it quotes the Bible doesn't mean that it's good for your soul. Um, and, and like when you, I don't know if you can buy that book at Walmart or not. That wouldn't surprise me. But really about the only time Walmart sells uh, Christian much Christian stuff is because it is selling astronomically. Um, they're not going to put out the stuff that doesn't sell as well, but you know, is maybe better for your soul. Um, one exception, I mean, they sell the Bible, but um, and I saw them selling Radical by David Platt. Now, just you know, that book is certainly not seeker friendly and you know, prosperity teaching. Um, the commentary selection is really lackluster. Their what? Their commentary selection. <laughs> yeah, you can't find uh, you can't find BDAG there either. Um, the, those don't know that's it's a Greek lexicon, but anyway, um, it's okay. Yeah, I just checked it out, and and the Jesus Calling stuff um, does come from the same publisher. So, um, but yeah, it just shows. I mean, be critical about what you're taking in 
and and having those discussions with your kids. And I think particularly with the kids, the, the young people, um, students that you're dealing with, that becomes even more critical because they're able to process things better and, and have more co- complex thoughts about it. Uh, but even, I mean, like for instance, uh, my kids like Little House on the Prairie. Now, we used to watch it more. I don't remember the last time they've watched it now, but um, there's a scene where Reverend Alden gets up and he says, now we all know that we can only have our sins forgiven by being good people and going to church. It's like, wait a minute, you know, and I mean, you know, my kids, at least my oldest one, you know, could tell that that was wrong. Um, and so I was thankful, but it's just having conversation. Don't just use, um, here, here's the phone, here's the iPad and, and just, I mean, like review those things, read reviews, that kind of stuff, um, about whatever content you're putting in front of them and just, um, just keeping the conversation going to, and help them because a lot of times we want to use things as entertainment to ah, muse ourselves. So we don't have to muse. Um, but we need to, to muse on those things. Um, well, so how can churches and church leaders seek to avoid too much world, um, and also too much Christian bubble? Cause you, you, you see both. So yeah, I think one very practical thing, as I am all about uh, churches with being governed by uh, their vision or mission statement, whatever they have, as long as it's biblical, whatever you call it's fine, uh, and you know, kind of deciding what they think the biblical view of the church is, and letting that define how they embark on mission ministries. Uh, so I think you know we need to keep only do ministries that are in keeping with what we believe that our church should be. Uh, so, you know, for example, uh, that at the previous church that was at, the kind of the motto that uh, the vision statement was to know Christ and make him known. And so I, when looking at that, we have to assess, you know, that uh, Christian superhero movie night. <laughs> uh, is that knowing Christ and making him known? Is that keeping with our vision in any way, shape, or form? And not to give an answer, but, you know, it's a question to ask. Is having, if that's your worldview, does having the, a Christian subculture sports league uh, keeping with the vision as a ministry that your church should be supporting? Um, I think also the church leaders engaging with the world and its culture to show people how to give examples of it. Uh, it would, I mean, it's been said by, I think, Karl Barth, uh, that, uh, Christians should, uh, that begin their day with the Bible in one hand and the, uh, newspaper in the other. Uh, and, uh, and I think that that's a way of actually, especially for Christian leaders, you set that example by your engaging and showing example of engaging with the worldview around you, not just setting yourself apart from it. Uh, but also to realize that we have to go out, uh, but not to places where we stumble. I mean, there is no option of just setting aside and living in a Christian bubble for all of our lives. That is not the Great Commission. That is sinful disobedience. But that being said, obviously, we don't go, I mean, into places where we're going to, uh, to stumble. I mean, Christian men shouldn't be uh, launching a, a witnessing uh, ministry by going to uh, gentlemen's clubs. Yeah, you leave that to the ladies. Um, <laughs> exactly. Which, and, and you, you knew people who were who were doing that. We do, um, yeah. And that's women that <laughs> that's were great. doing that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think those are some good points, and, and it can be. I think it again, it takes wisdom to to 
discern what pleases the Lord, because I, I think it will look different for different people, the way God's wired them, the interests they have, the skills they have, and where he's placed them. So I, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all for a family or for a church. Um, I, you know, I, I uh, read something recently, a uh, blogger was talking about, I think it was, it was Tim Challies. Yeah, it was. And, um, he was talking about, you know, a pastor's engagement with media and entertainment, um, that he doesn't necessarily need to share all of the ways that he engages with entertainment. Um, though sometimes it may be helpful. Um, but you know, there's issues of conscience involved and, um, just to be discerning about that because it may not always be helpful to say, well, I watch such and such. Um, but then again, sometimes it may give people, it sh- shows you interacting with things um, in the culture. Because the thing is, people in the church, are all of us, whether they're, they're leaders in the church or not, they are shaped by the culture. And some are shaped significantly by the culture, far more by the culture than by God's word and his priorities. And so helping to push up against some of those cultural values um, I think can be helpful. Um, but I thought you brought up some some good points, you know, with some of the programming. Tony, is there is there one right way that you think that it's just if you go this way, a family, a church, you'll navigate these issues just perfectly? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's the way I do it. I'm kidding. <laughs> When's your book coming out? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I think this is a Christian liberty issue. Uh but I do think the principles that we've, I hope we've talked about today, we I do think apply to all. But, you know, with just different discretions, biblical principles on this. Uh, but that being said, don't condemn those who do it slightly different. Everybody's going to have their own uh, unique take. I mean, I that there will be families that are quick to rush the Christian movies, and that's fine. There will be families that think they're cheesy and terrible, and I'm not going to watch that kind of stuff. Uh, that's fine, too. Uh, I, and, uh, you know, ultimately, even in the youth area, you know, when we engage with youth here, uh, more than children, uh, less so in the past, but, uh, still nonetheless, uh, I think parents need to understand if your youth listens to Drake or if they listen to Chris Tomlin, they will hardly be more likely based upon that alone to follow Jesus as adults. I mean, I think there are some statistics that show a correlating effect of listening to Christian music, but there's no causation that if they're listening to K-Love more than they're listening to the pop music station, they're going to love Jesus more. Well, and this, yeah, establishing causation. Now, I mean, and, and I've seen some stats out there that the biggest indicator of spiritual health and things like that was engagement with the Bible. Um, and so, you know, you're taking things that are drawn from Christian principles, which again, that's helpful. Um, or you're taking the actual voice of God and scripture. And I think, I mean, that's, that's what you want to push them to, um, more because then as they, as if they, they get God's word in them, then as they interact with things in the culture, ideas, values, they are able to, um, evaluate these, those things through the grid of God's word. And so I think that in the end is what you're after. But. Yeah. Now I will <clears throat> say that uh, in that there was probably evidence that uh, it would be better for your kid to make a role model out of out of Christian leaders than like I did when I was uh, 15 and I wanted to be like Kurt Cobain, and that's uh, <laughs> probably not the best thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's where your Garage Band thing came from. Okay. It is actually. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Teen Spirit, man. <laughs> um, 
So how should we, because you mentioned Christian liberty, how should we deal with others in our church or just other believers that we know with whom we disagree on how much we should be in the world versus in the bubble? Because everybody's not going to agree on this. Yeah, I think in general, we just need a conversation culture in our churches, you know, where we, I think there's just so much of a tendency that we try to avoid disagreements at all costs. Uh, but I think disagreements can be a very good thing. And I think we need to head towards a culture where we talk, you know, to somebody who's, uh, public schools their kids. Uh, we, um, we want to hear as those, you know, homeschool or private school, why they do that and, and how that's working out and vice versa, not as a way to attack, but as a way to really listen and to think, consider other perspectives. Uh, but I think also we do need to call out extremes. We need to call out extreme worldliness. Uh, you know, that we need to call out the family that thinks that, uh, they're, that it's somehow skipping church every week to, uh, go to sporting events, uh, secular sporting events, or to, you know, go to things that are more secularly interesting, are somehow being, uh, somehow being a witness. We call that out, but also we call out, I think, the idea, uh, among some that they can shelter into the kingdom. Uh, and so again, not the practices as much, but I think the extreme worldviews that so substantially miss this on one side or the other. <clears throat> I think you're, yeah, creating a, just a, an atmosphere where conversations are normal and, and teaching people how to disagree. Um, and, and the, the principles behind that, that there is issues of Christian liberty and, and scripture addresses that. Um, and, and that love is guiding those, those relationships, those conversations and those disagreements. Um, and so I think considering those things and, and not just falling into the, the Facebook drive by, uh, rants about this and that, um, but instead having humility and, and, you know, asking honest questions. Okay. Well, see, you, you chose this path, you know, what, what, uh, what factors led to you doing that? And just be like, you're doing that and you're stupid and you're going to go to hell and, um, it's just easier to do that though. And I guess more emotionally cathartic for some. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, that's great insight because the, yeah, there's, there's always going to be disagreement on those kind of things because scripture does not spell out every single thing that we should do. And, you know, Jesus uh, and the, the apostles, well, I say Jesus, I'm sure and Jesus and his foreknowledge did, but the Bible does not speak of, you know, Bible man, Veggie Tales, uh, <laughs> no, or Kurt Cobain, and so, uh, and Drake. So, you know, we, we just, we need discernment, we need God's word in us to help us make those decisions. <clears throat> well, I think this has been a, a useful conversation. I know it's, it's sharpening me, and um, I hope that it pushes you and, and our listeners uh, and those in our churches to, to greater faithfulness as we seek to, to be a light in the world and to do that uh, and, and to spiritually care for the young people that God has entrusted to us. So thanks for thinking with me today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.